welcome to the podcast where good trivia gets rewarded and bad lies are punished. But will we catch the lies? This is What's the Fact. And are they punished that badly, really? Welcome to the show. My name is Ryan Whittle. This is Warren Robertson. And my question to you is, when shall we two meet again in thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the holy valley's done? When the battle's lost and won? That'll be ill. There's three of them. That'll be ill. The set of sun. Where the place upon the youth there to meet with. Oh, very good. Now, that's very the opening good. scene. It's a quick one. Yeah, it's nicely done. I mean, uh, I've been not Just... listening to the words you've been saying. I've been fixated with the way you dress yourself. I've... Thank you. I'm trying to be bardish. Is it, is it bardish? Hey, I mean, hey, you wore a funny hat. I mean, definitely someone who looks like you. I, I picture them, you know, directing Shakespeare in a park for children, uh, much to the many, many, many uh, <laughs> unhappy complaints of the parents <laughs> who know that you're definitely going to touch one of their children. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, you know. Uh, was, what were you thinking when you put on a 1920s sort of uh, lace jacket were you, and then you, you came here and you were like this is Shakespeare yeah well I knew the big hair there was big hair at some stage bald on just bald on top no real hat bald on top big hair <laughs> oh I see you were, uh, you were actually being Shakespeare yes bald on top then there was a bit of a collar and <laughs> some sort of jacket <laughs> oh, so, a profoundly broken man I At least you got the hair colour right Because apparently he was a, well, a ginger yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a famous portrait, isn't there? Yeah, but, but you can't he, tell you can't what really it is tell that he's a ginger. Black but and white in those days ginger, yeah. I'm joking Ginger, eh? Hey? Yeah, but there's all these claims that, you know, when they when they excavated his tomb or whatever They found, they found ginger beard hairs or something And then they also found traces of marijuana And... <laughs> You know, no shit. The kid was bullied at school because he was a ginger. So he yeah. took up marijuana. That is classic, classic playwright material. Right yeah. there. It has been for centuries. I mean, you know, the the movie Shakespeare in Love shows quite a jolly sort of setting of Elizabethan times mm. and stuff. And sure, sure. But I think the stakes were very high as well, you know. Eyes were getting their heads chopped off, and you better not cock up, you know. Yeah, look, and... I mean, the average guy wasn't getting his head chopped off. <laughs> That's a relief. I mean, you really, you really had to be kind of profoundly religious and refuse to listen to the monarch of the times' view on yes. religion. Okay, I'm going to be blunt here. Yes, the reason my family has survived as long as it has, if there is, and I'm just guessing this based on my personality and assuming that my ancestors are pretty similar to me, is that if dragged in front of any monarch and told. Are you or are you not a Catholic? I would immediately go, absolutely. I'm I'm, I'm the most profoundly Catholic person in the whole <laughs> in the whole world. And if she said no, but I'm a Protestant, I'd be like, sorry, did I say Catholic? Absolutely, I'm the most profoundly Protestant Catholic. person you've ever Rome. met in your entire life. Rome. Yeah, yeah. Rome. Fuck Rome. I've always hated those cunts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I come from a long line of people that uh, that ran onto the backs of battles slowly and unwillingly. You know, we weren't we weren't the people in the front line of the charge ever. We're coming. We're gonna get them. Yeah. Oh, it's. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh damn. damn you. Oh, damn, damn, I really wanted to be a war hero. Damn. <laughs> That's, so I I would yeah. So I would have survived Tudor England, no problem. Because oh, I good. gladly would have sold out each and every single one of my principles. Brilliant. You know, there's there's no one would have boiled me alive for yeah. for for holding to any kind of belief in, in anything. Yeah. Uh, they could be like, um, is your name Warren? I'd be like, is the punishment involved? You know, like, am I we gonna... hold fast to the sacred Eucharist? The, the what? 
Yeah. Oh, oh, I, I, I don't know what the sacred union <laughs> sacred Eureka is. Never heard of it. By the way, there's a priest living in there. <laughs> um, That's lovely. Anyway. Oh, good. William. Uh, but I love him. I love him. The depth and breadth. Those are two different things. Yes, I love them both of William. His work is wonderful. I love the plays. I was in the Scottish play. You were in A Midsummer. I was in A Midsummer Night's Dream, yeah. Oh, nice. And I was quoted the Scottish play, which means the light's going to stop working halfway through mm. because bad luck. Uh, we even at, at comedy shows, you couldn't even mention the M word when well, certain of be, those guys were around. Let me be perfectly around. frank about that. That's really only amongst the massive nerd comedians. And there are, there are like many distinct types of comedians. There's the yeah. massive nerd comedians are, are just one. Yeah. There's also the comedians who've never read a book in their entire lives mm. and whose jokes are largely racist and ignorant. You know, those guys, are, they don't give a fuck about saying the name of the Scottish play. Yeah, the M word. <laughs> the M word, yeah. 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 Uh, but I have many facts that I've researched about about Shakespeare. Good. And, uh, and it's my turn to it go first. It is your turn to go and first. I, it's, it's something I've covered in a previous uh, episode a little bit. Um, but it's something I want to delve into again. And my fact, I'm just going to kick straight Do off, it. right? Kick straight off. Two Shakespeare plays have been translated into Klingon, <laughs> which is obviously the made-up language from the Star Trek TV series. Oh, my word. I'm the gonna, whole I'll, play, I'll, the entire play. Two, two plays. Yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit of kind of backstory here because Shakespeare's obviously played a lot of a has played a very strong role in Star Trek over the years. Mm -hmm. um, both um Patrick Stewart and William Shatner were Shakespearean actors yes, before they yes. took their roles as captains on the, the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. Um and obviously uh Jean-Luc Picard, which is mm -hmm. Patrick Stewart's character, mm -hmm. had a he had a copy of of the complete works of William Shakespeare and he used to he used to quote Shakespeare quite a lot. Um, there, there, there's scholarly studies that have been done on the role of Shakespeare in in Star Trek, and they generally believe that that it's a shorthand for if a character is intelligent or educated, they will know something about about Shakespeare. Um, there's some so some cool. British yeah, there's some British researchers that get kind of pissed off about it, and they said like, oh, this is this is Americans trying to steal Shakespeare for their culture rather than for ours. Is what oh. they're trying to do. Yeah. But um, but yeah, there's there's plenty of episodes of uh, Star Trek that are based on Shakespeare plays. There are there are quotes and things that happen. Uh, the classic Star Trek episode, Cat's Paw. Uh, sees the USS Enterprise team beam down to a planet called Pyrus 7. And once on the ground, they're immediately confronted by three witches. Oh! Yeah, who chant, wind shall rise and fog descends, so leave here all or meet your end, which is very <laughs> a lovely kind couplet. of similar. Yeah, very sort of similar uh, at this point. Apparently, um, Commander Spock's is very bad poetry, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think we had the same high school teacher, Captain. But yeah, but yeah. So, so, so it's 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 literally all over the show. So this is obviously why it's yeah. wound up now with two complete plays being translated into Klingon. Yeah, I mean, I when it comes to the great Star Wars versus Star Trek thing, I, I love Star Trek. And in lockdown, I started watching The Next Generation again. Uh, I just I love it, man. There's something so about it. I didn't have to tell you any of this stuff about Shakespeare and Star Trek. You already no, did. no, I I didn't. I just watched about 25 episodes because <laughs> man, are there a lot of episodes? But it was really, really lovely, and uh, it's that whole 
world of adventure, you know, and there's definitely that tone throughout of, of sophistication throughout the show. That's what I also well, like that, that, about that's it. A, but that's what I was to say is, is they use Shakespeare and classical music and classical kind of settings. You know, they often venture back to like 1920s film noir, for instance, in the holodeck. Yes. And it's, oh, yes, it's yes, this, yes. these are shorthands yes, for, oh, yes. these are educated characters, characters yeah. who are read on their history. Yeah. They're read so well that they know a 1920s, you know, something from 200. Can you imagine yes. 200 years ago, 1820, what were they doing? <clears throat> down to that kind of minutia. These are this is how well educated these characters are that they like to immerse themselves in this sort of time period. Love it. Yeah. But did they go as far as translating two Shakespearean plays into Klingon? That I'm afraid thou speakest thou speakest liest, thou liest, thou fiend. Um there's no there's no possible ways that that's true. So that's you've opened with a lie, but it's a lovely lie. It's cute. Mm. I like it. But it's a lie. So I mean, it's not. Oh it's my absolutely gosh! Absolutely, the truth. Yeah, I mean, so so it it actually was inspired by, <laughs> by Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country, in which uh, Chancellor Gorkin, who's one of the the Klingon kind of ambassadors, um, he sort of he makes this pithy offhanded remark about how uh, you should hear Hamlet in its original Klingon. And and it's from that moment that uh, the Klingon Hamlet sort of got born in the minds of these two guys, Nick Nicholas and Andrew Strader, who they took seven years translating the whole thing into the original Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's actually Jesus. yeah. So actually the 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 translation's a bit funny because it's not. It's almost like a, a sort of a satirical translation okay. because they do okay. the original Klingon and then yes. they change everything and then there's notes to explain why an Earthling would have to have changed this to Denmark and why okay. they would have chosen to to do this and how it relates to Klingon history in the okay. in the kind of side That's thing. So it's it's not just a straight pure translation. Okay. It's this kind of original Klingon All um, right. uh, translation, but it is it is in fact a. The other question which is bursting forth from my brain right now is why. <laughs> I mean, it, because, it, because it's there. Because it's there. Yeah. <laughs> so the, why why did you climb Everest? Because it's there. Nice. The other, the other play that was uh, translated is <laughs> Much Ado About Nothing, uh, which is translated to Pachmotin <gasps> Miss. And I'm very sorry to anybody who who speaks oh, wow. Klingon, uh, which translates in English to the confusion is great <laughs> because of nothing. <laughs> It's incredible. It's incredible the worlds that have been created and the knockoff and stuff. The knock is it called the knockoff? Yeah. Incredible, man. Absolutely incredible. Klingon. Frightening. It was I mean the Kling, <laughs> it is, it is the Klingon uh the girl at some stage was quite uh which, was quite which right. girl are you talking about the from Klingon one girl. of the more recent No, no, the next generation. The one that he met, and then there was this weird Who's he? They thought they were fighting. The Klingon dude in the starship. Oh, Wolf. Yes, they thought <laughs> okay. he was fighting. Meantime, that's their kind of that's how they flirt with each other. I see. They're basically going for it. You see, I, I as soon as you say Klingon woman, I only think there was some in Discovery. And then did you ever see that uh, that kind of parody Star Trek? And it's not really parody. <laughs> it's uh what was it called? It begins with an O. The Oh, a movie or a remember. series? No, no, but it's a TV series. Oh, it's right. basically Star Trek, uh, starring the same guy who made the parody ripoff of The Simpsons. Uh, whose oh, name Futurama. Never... No, 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 no. That's also a Matt Grinning. Um, okay. Uh, 
Damn it, I'm not helping with these family guy, family guy. Family Guy. Family Guy. Family Guy. Right. So he made he made Family Guy. Oh. And he made this. Oh. It's called the Orpheus or the you know, something. But is it comedy? The Orville. That's what it's called. The is TV it, show is called is the Orville. It comedy. So it's supposed to be a comedy, but it morphs into a very good <laughs> Star Trek. You know, like it, it really becomes kind of classic Star Trek. I was trying to stuff, take the piss, but strange. it ended up being quite dramatically well, I mean, brilliant. That's the thing about, uh, and I've forgotten the name of the creator of the show, but yes, but he, that guy, um, yeah, Seth, but, Seth MacFarlane. Seth, Myers, Seth oh, Myers. Oh, oh. Yes. Okay. Seth Myers? Seth McFarlane? Seth, Seth McFarlane. He's the family guy. The one with all the Seth voices. Seth McFarlane. You're yeah, absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. So Seth McFarlane. We got creates, there, folks. Yeah, eventually. Seth McFarlane creates these shows where they're essentially just parodies of, of the original show. And everybody goes, look at it. It's a hideous parody. And then they turn out to be incredibly popular. <laughs> basically steals everything and then makes a show out of it. It's insane. Fascinating story. Anyway, Man. I haven't watched any Family Guy apart from little clips on the internet uh, out of loyalty to The Simpsons. Ah, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, so South Park and The Simpsons have both accused Family Guy of basically lifting their storylines from them. And there's this big debate about, about did they lift it or is it just that inevitably if you do 500 episodes, you're going to have you're some... You're going to cross-pollinate. going to cross-pollinate with one another. Yeah. Uh, in many cases, you can see South Park and The Simpsons is... I'm quite a fan of all three of them. That's quite strange. I've watched a fair amount of all three, and they're quite fun. Mm. Anyway, so the Orville—you haven't seen it. It's a—it's a worthwhile okay. Star Trek parody that turns out. into pretty good Star Trek. From futuristic Shakespeare to—I mean—is that what you are? Is that what you're? You're futuristic yes. Shakespeare. Futuristic Shakespeare. <laughs> I've—I uh, uh, was telling you, I—if we had to rank our Shakespeare's, that I. I'm a trick set work was Shakespeare, and in Standard Nine, our school produced the play, so now I was in it. Oh, Macbeth. And, yes, and so I know Sorry, Macbeth I the name so of the well. Play, and now you just mentioned it. Yes, I know Macbeth so well, and I saw it overseas once as well. If I ever see it being produced somewhere, I'll go and watch it. I just mm -hmm. I'm nuts about it, and I and I do love it. So it was always my number one. Um, but since I've encountered uh, the Tempest, it has become my new number one, and I do love. The Tempest very, very much. It's really, really lovely. And I think it's quite personal as well. Um, but my to, fact to you or to Shakespeare? To both of us, because <laughs> okay. the bard is is in my soul. I'm in his will. Right. Okay. Kindred spirit. Not really. I've got a lot more work. Are you to also do. you're a cross dresser who <laughs> is trying to confuse someone who lives on a <laughs> on an island with a monster and his daughter. <laughs> no. That, is that what's the really just you looked at this and you were like, Sorry. this is exactly right. I am Caliban. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, I must interject there. I was going to be more funny with you, but Caliban is what my fact is all oh, about. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, all Caliban, right. Well, that works. The monster. Um, and I, in, in, in 1904, an actor called Herbert Beerbaum Tree. Uh, he That's not a name. You just made up a name no, of an That's beer a bomb point. tree. Yeah. Beer bomb tree. He um in in today's my fact is that that was the first example of what in Shakespeare uh, scholars would call um sort of cultural appropriation and sort of inappropriate racism. 
and the way he depicted Caliban. So that's have, my fact. I mean, Herbert I have seen Beerborn that, that as an analysis. I suppose you've got maybe a counter argument or a counter, but yeah, there there are there are definite arguments for for that being a racist, racist. Inter- yeah, yeah, a racist interpretation. And I'm certain there's there's other interpretations that say no, no, it's not. It's you know something else entirely. But you know uh, Shakespeare quite interestingly, um, you know with Othello for mm-hmm. instance, yes, was it was handled quite. I mean sensitively for yeah. one would imagine the era yes um certainly not with the kind of racism that one would have expected you know everybody knows othello is wronged and yes in the end he behaves like an angry you know sort of fool but you can still see humanity in his decisions and then of yes. course uh you know merchant of venice and yes. his depiction of shylock and the there's a bit of racism in there, but there's also the "if you prick me, do I not bleed" speech. Mm. So there's there's a subtle kind of nuance most of the time, and I suppose you could you could see that nuance also in Caliban and the kind of colonialism of his yes of his island and the the capture of it. But you know, in Shakespeare's era, colonialism wasn't a thing. Yeah, it wasn't you know it hadn't begun yet. No, it hadn't begun yet. No, uh, you know what? What colonialism existed was what people had known for a very long time. All the countries around Africa conquering and reconquering one another, and, uh, and all that had happened by his time. I happen to know this about history was there'd been a little foray into Northern Ireland, just a little one, but it was it was accidental colonialism wasn't really like was they had a well, presence there the, elizabeth had a presence there because of some unrest and she was helping probably another royal yeah so uh, so she said she actually sent people there to to crush rebellions yes in ireland and I, the irish and the scottish had for hundreds of years had shared um royalty the shared okay. nobility they, they had families across the border are you there's a in in the in the factual documentary braveheart there's a bit of an allusion to that. Oh. Um, with the Irish character who comes Yes. In, They're my Irish. I told They're you. My, my They're my Ireland. Irish. It's my Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. very cute. Uh, I never quite liked him. He wasn't right in the head. <laughs> I like it. Uh, anyway, I call it the factual documentary <laughs> Braveheart because it's anything. But but um but there is that allusion to that kind of and Robert Bruce, in fact, had family. In fact, I think his brother was was a noble in Ireland. In Ireland, okay. Um so they had would have already, been family they, helping family in yeah, some they weird had way. already they'd already crossed that particular divide, but in terms of you know discovering oh, yeah. uh, America even or you know venturing down to this is you know we're talking the late fifteen hundreds early sixteen hundreds yeah the real discoveries in Africa only started happening mid to late sixteen hundreds mm. and mm. The real colonialism yes. and the slave trade and these things only yes. started ramping up at that stage. So, so what Shakespeare knew of that, yeah, it wouldn't mm. it wouldn't have been a traditional. He certainly wouldn't have viewed colonialism in the same way that that we view it. You make a good defense case, or just uh, shedding light on 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 that part of history that the, 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 it wasn't understood as we understand it today. It, it couldn't possibly be, yeah. have been because they literally. The English did not have their empire at that stage, mm-hmm. you know. Right, so right. it's a, yeah. So it's just not. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, so my fact by 1904, a uh, bit of cultural appropriation, bit of racism creeping into the depiction of Caliban, especially. It's possible that you know um, we 
we have have interpreted it in that way in our own retellings of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some interesting stuff there because if I if I remember correctly, Caliban's mom's name and I'm Sikorax. Sikorax, mm. right? You um, never see her. No, but I think she's related in some way to Greek mythology, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so there's there's possibly some sort of animosity because certainly there was more racism towards Mediterranean peoples from from the British sure. at that stage than there, than there is now. You know, now people just go, oh, of course, Greek people and Spanish people are are white like us <laughs> Northern Europeans, but you know, at the time that was not necessarily seen as so. Um, and and if you ask any Greek person who say moved to to Australia, they'll tell you that they suffered incredible oppression there. And you know the, the Jewish people, for instance, suffered incredible oppression. Uh, so there was there was dividing lines between grades of white persons. So whether Caliban is some sort of like colonial story, or whether he's he's Greek. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I, I mean, it's, it's yeah, almost certainly there, there could be. Oh, some I got such a there. controversial one-liner in my stand-up comedy that which I occasionally use, and it just gets such don't, an don't awkward drop the controversial. Yeah, okay, don't fine, drop the controversial do. one-liner that worked twenty years ago and no longer okay. works, Ryan. That's well, well, it's it, it's it's more left-leaning than right-leaning. Oh, the line okay. it it exposes stuff. Is it your genitals? No, no. Hey, like I right. say, oh, I'm 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 mixed race. I'm mixed race. That that's how I start. My mom's white, my dad's uh, Portuguese. <laughs> that would have been that would have been thought of as exactly one hundred percent correct, even a hundred years ago. Yeah. Anyway, but so 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 is is oh, but, and it's like and if you know the, I mean, the irony is if if Portuguese people in the audience are offended, like why? What's wrong with being black? I wouldn't. I'm, I'd be fine if I was black. If I found out that I was, we've got down a very yeah. weird kind of tangent. Yeah. Here. Well, perhaps. Yes. Yeah, so is my fact true or not? I mean, I've seen, I've definitely cultural appropriation, I've definitely, bit of racism. I've definitely, I've definitely seen some researchers call it racism. Yes. All right. Well, and so you're saying yes, it's true. I'm saying, I'm saying there's, there's definitely some researchers who say it's true. I guarantee you, there are some who say it's not, and over country thing. My personal opinion is it's probably not. Um, you see, the truth of the matter is, is, is Warren's clever, and truth of the matter is, is a good person. <laughs> It won't bring religion into Oh, the- Caliban is a good person. <gasps> no, Warren. Uh, Warren, you're clever and you're good. <laughs> Me, I'm a shyster, right? Oh, and see. I'm the religious one. No, I'm you shyster. can't come here and use slurs about Jewish people as to who you are. Isn't it? Uh, no, that's exactly what that is. You oh, didn't even know. I didn't no. even know. Okay, I'm a, but, you, I'm, but it's because I mentioned Merchant of Venice. It's my fault. Yes. I made you think the, the racial slur. So I'm saying that because the facts are lie with a Ryanism, a technicality, okay. nailed you. Um, yes, there has been this academic research about Caliban being portrayed um, inappropriately and the whole colonial theme coming into it. That's interesting. But in 1904, this depiction is fascinating. You'll find it fascinating, especially because he wore fur and seaweed. Uh, he played Caliban. Who, waste who, who? this chap, Herbert Bearborn tree in nineteen oh four. Oh, I see. You were asking me. You see, I have forgotten. You were asking me about this specific well, era. Person. Yes. Oh, and in nineteen oh four, they were definitely being racist about Canada. No, no, no. Yeah, they but definitely. Listen were. to the way what this was. This okay. wasn't racism. This was. You'd find it fascinating. Okay. Uh-huh. So Caliban, he wore fur and uh, and seaweed, 
any uh, waist length hair and uh, there was an ape like bearing okay suggestive of a primitive part animal part human stage of evolution this missing link portrayal of Caliban became the norm in productions until 1934 so what I'm trying to suggest yeah, what, what happened, no doubt, not even me suggesting it, is the Darwinism influenced the portrayal of Caliban a little bit. You know, the, the hunt for the, the transitionary fossil, the missing link, was all the rage after Darwinism took root. Right. And even Caliban was portrayed for decades as maybe a missing link. Right. Pretty interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, that, that art. Is interesting. As I say, yeah. I said it quite early in, in our discussion. He looks like, you know, like uh, the depiction of the 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 pre-caveman, the kind the, the, mm. the, the, the in-between something. Yeah, no, I said, and I said it quite early in our discussion. Like I've, that, I've yeah. no doubt that our culture has certainly looked at the character and influenced that character to be specific things. Yeah. You know, whether Shakespeare wrote it like that is entirely different. You know, as I said, we won't know whether he wrote Caliban as a Greek person. Mm -hmm. or an African person, or a monster, or purely just a creature of myth. Because let's be honest, in his comedies, he does write a lot of creatures of myth. He does yeah, write a lot does. of monsters, a lot of he theories, does. a lot of like, you know, don't um, shy away from it. And uh, But what did become interesting was 1934, uh, Roger Livesey uh, was the first actor to play the role with uh, black makeup. And in 1945, Canada Lee... Uh, that's his name, played the role, and he's a black actor, played the role at the Theatre Guild in New York, establishing a tradition of black actors taking the role, the role including Earl Hyman in 1960 and James Earl Jones in 1962. So that's interesting. Was it a good thing, a bad thing? Is it a fortunate thing, an unfortunate thing? Don't know. I, I, I ultimately probably was, was a good thing. Ariel. I am your father. <laughs> Jane, uh, my mother, Sycorax. Yeah. Mother, Sycorax. <laughs> James Earl Jones, that take a look Simba. A, anyway. the, the, the movie's beautiful. Uh, the, the, the most recent movie, I think it was 2010. And they've got, I'm so sorry that I don't know his name, but he's a brilliant uh, West African actor. He played in Amistad. Um, He's also in uh, Guardian of the Galaxies. It just happened to you. I watched it with my son the other day. And he plays Caliban. Eva, um, and Helen Mirren plays Prospero. So there goes the old go girl power. Yeah, she I mean, plays a boy's listen, that, that play has always been interesting in terms of... Mm. Because if you think about it, it's almost like that Monty Python sketch where they have where they do the stoning in the life of Brian, and it's it's men <laughs> are playing women here? who are playing men, right? Yeah. So it's like Tempest has very much got yeah. that kind of vibe because the actors in Shakespeare's time were all men. Right? Yes. So now they are men who are playing women who are then in turn playing men. It's yeah. got that whole whole. It's always had that. And, and then yeah, you don't know what Ariel and Juniper are should be, or do you know? Are they sexless or are they boy girl fairies? I'm not sure. Yeah. Good. Um. All right, uh, here's my fact. Uh, Shakespeare is only famous because he's the only actor of his era that embraced like the printing press and published his works. Ooh. <laughs> oh. You're saying others didn't really publish their works. Man. Printing press. Okay, Geoffrey Chaucer was stories, eh? Uh, but that was way before probably the printing press and... Thank goodness we know about Geoffrey Chaucer. 
I said, only Shakespeare who published. Because, you Sources know, are you saying years others were... 500 years is a very long time. Was it that long? Like yes, 400, yes. 400. <laughs> 500, I think, 1100. Okay. Um, uh, so you're saying there were other potentially as brilliant playwrights mm. who just didn't become I mean, famous. we know about some of them, you know, Christopher Marlowe and what happened. Yeah. Then there was that theory that there's a few there's a few people writing under the William. I don't think that's a bollocks theory, mm. but uh, I'm open to it. Um, no, it's generally been rejected. I, I just, I kind of hope you're wrong. I want him to have stood out as a saintly type of epiphany. Um, and uh, there's Look, some. It's possible it's both, right? I mean, it's possible that sure. he was—he's the the guy who's defined his era because he's the only one that published plays. But you know, there were probably other guys who were as good as him. They just aren't remembered now because they didn't publish their plays. Do you see? It sucks about human like, life. Yeah, there's only one Beyonce, you know. But there's so many. But there isn't, there's, right? There's 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 a dozen there's a dozen no, people who are as big as Beyonce. I agree. But if only Beyonce was producing and and selling like actually hard copies of her music. Then a hundred years from now, she would be the one that everybody remembered, right? right? And we we both know Trevor, eh? We both know Trevor Noah, eh? We both know <laughs> Does he Trevor. publish his works? <laughs> we published them on Comedy Central for many years. It's true. Uh, I want to say uh, no, and I want to say that this fact isn't true. He's not the only one. It's not what made him big. My my heart is saying I'm like genie in a bottle. I'm like mm. Christina Aguilera. My heart is saying no. My head is saying let's go or some <laughs> shit like that. Hey, Christina. Not very it was rhyming couplets. Hey, they're very clever, very Christina. Good. Well very done. Good. I'm gonna say no, it's 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 false. He was just a genius and that's why he's the best. So as it turns out, like it it's it's a little bit of a funny one because it mm -hmm. is it is false because he never published his plays. Um okay. nobody did at the time. Uh, and for a sure. number of reasons, right? Plays were they were churned out very, very fast at an in, at an incredible rate. They were basically like you would try and have one play today and another play tomorrow, and you would ah, yes, yes, yes. you would basically just like be constantly writing. It was the soap operas of the time, absolutely. So the guys were the guys were constantly writing and they were constantly producing. And then when they had a smash hit, when one one of the plays turned out to be a smash hit, then that one they would try and gather the actual pieces together and create a folio of it and they would they would they would put it all together and then they would produce that again at some later point but quite often <laughs> oh, it's never going to happen uh, we're never going to stumble across in, in a hundred years time fuck this episode of Benelanders have you checked this is amazing <laughs> but exactly no exactly we might we might bless you Benelanders we might <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're exactly you're exactly right. So, so essentially, what would happen is, um, you would want to have the proprietary right mm. to your play, but also you couldn't copyright your plays at that time. So, what would happen is, if you had a hit play, the guys who were actors for you would take their script and they'd go and give it to the guy next door. They'd mm. sell it to the guy next door, and then he would use it. So, what they did was. They, the nobody idea published, of intellectual property. Yeah, so nobody yeah. published anything. The reaction to that was that nobody published anything. They took their own their, their, their play and they broke it up into different scripts, which they called Q scripts. And the actors would only be given Q scripts, which effectively were the three words before you spoke <laughs> and then what you were to say. <laughs> so if an actor wanted to sell his part to the neighboring, the neighboring theater, no he couldn't sense. do it. He, he, only, he only had his part. He didn't have the whole wow. play. 
you know, this is sh- this is showing that there was a real sense of the value. Right? Yes, that's why so, they protected. So absolutely, it. no one published their works. But after his death, two friends of Shakespeare's, John John Hemmings and Henry Condell, got together as much of his stuff as possible and published it, which is why he's famous to this day. Oh so it's false in that. He didn't publish it okay, himself. Okay. No, nobody. He wouldn't have dared. But his friends publishing it is what saved saved his work for time, oh, and and actually word. made it like a a thing. And and yeah, I mean, you can see why they wouldn't they wouldn't want to publish it because there was literally no you you couldn't stop the guy over there. You got the smash hit Hamlet, and now everybody wants to do Hamlet. You know, it's quite profound what's going on in, with this fact because it's like the printing press, man. It was really. Uh, in it made sure that civilization endured because words really are the foundation. Yeah, we of were suddenly. I mean, the, the thing about the printing press is we were suddenly able to take ordinary people's thoughts and record them for future generations. Yeah, yeah. Previously, humanity had not been able to. I die at eighty. I take every all my memories. I take everything with me. Maybe you remember one or two stories from my life. And then you try to pass them to your kids, but your kids don't really remember. And within three three generations, they did. Um, now we could have a hard copy and we could pass those memories, those thoughts, those works of art as written. Beginning down of the line, formal yeah. education, yeah. beginning of everything. Yeah, it's it's finally humanity as a way to no wonder from that point on, humanity starts speeding up in development because now we're able to share intellect with the generations that come before and we're able to make a thing of it. Technology, building of things, you know. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so so yeah, Love so Shakespeare is Shakespeare's area. Yeah. What a great, great fact. Um, and my fact is also about the continuation of ideas. Oh, good. <laughs> this is, I'm basically beating a square peg into a round hole. <laughs> um, there's a lovely 70s song, which I, um, remember hearing as a kid and then, um, it was by a- Shakespeare's sister. <laughs> no, that's an 80s <laughs> song, isn't it? It's so funny. <laughs> it's not, but I love that band, your history and stay with me. I don't, off. Oh. Um, the song is called um, Winter's Tale by a British so- singer-songwriter called Mike Batt and uh, his British folk rock band called Magna Carta. That's very British, isn't it? Magna was the law. Uh, 1970, and uh, the song's called Winter's Tale. And the song lyrics, here's my fact, um, follow the same story as the Shakespeare play. Twelfth Night. Winter's Tale. No. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know Winter's Tale? Yeah, yeah. And do you know the song? I don't know the song. Oh, it's at all. beautiful. So, is that your fact though that there yes, is this 1970s song called? Yeah, it's a well-known song. I'm surprised you don't know it. Sing it. It was only a winter's tale, just another winter's tale. There might be some clues in this for the fact. And why should the world take notice of one more love that failed? It's a love that may never be, though it meant a lot to you and me. On a worldwide scale, it's just another winter's tale. So you got carried away and gave away the fact that your fact is a lie. Well, you did. is it? It is, because it's clearly not about the thing. Well, that's the chorus. It's about a love between you and me. <laughs> that's the chorus. Okay, maybe it's being... You know, yeah, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say you bungled. I'm gonna say you bungled and that you lied. 
That's what I'm going to say. Metaphoric. He's being content. No, I'm going to say you bungled. He's being content- I'm, saying, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. You may, you, if you've gotten me, congratulations, Ryan. This is the best you've ever been. You know, don't you know about poetry? It's about the literal and the metaphorical uh-huh. and the contemplative. You've bungled and this. By the time I do not have enough faith in you to say that you haven't bungled this. Mm, the name of the song, The Winter's Tale, is the only thing it shares with the Shakespearean play. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. You I am bungled it. Lying in your cold blue sheets. You were so proud of yourself singing all the lyrics and telling me exactly that you were right. You have to call bullshit in the Shakespearean episode by going, Thou liest, thou fiend. Dost and- thou <laughs> tongue wag at me, sir? <laughs> So yes, a lovely story and title is same, but no, um, the Shakespeare play, which I know very little of, um, the one time I saw it on, it was in Montreal and they were doing a production of it, but I was going to another show and I wanted to see The Winter's Tale. It takes place in Sicily. I don't know how much winter they get, but um, what is it uh, about? Uh, The Winter's Tale is one of Shakespeare's later plays, categorized as one of his romances. Tells the story of King Leon, Leonates of Sicily, who becomes consumed by jealousy. Sicilian, hey, and uh, falsely accuses his wife of infidelity. Hey, she's a fuck at this other guy. And <laughs> that's actually one of Shakespeare's lines. Don't don't write in to complain. That's one of Shakespeare's original lines that Ryan used there. Yeah. Leading to a series of tragic events. The play is known for its exploration of themes. I love that. Oh, it explores themes of. Jealousy as a, as a theme. I stab you, you fucking idiot. There is a jealousy theme running through the play. Yes, yes, there is. I seem to remember that it was written basically as like a bonus. Like essentially, it's the too fast, too furious, you know. <laughs> because Twelfth Night had been so phenomenally successful. Yes. Because it was written for the Twelfth Night Festival. But it was a comedy. Uh, in the middle eh? of winter. Yeah, in the middle of winter. And yes, it was written yes. for, for that. And it had been so phenomenally successful, people demanded a follow-up. So I think that's, I think, if I'm Winter correct, style. that that's why Winter's Tale got written. Okay. Because it was, yeah, that, 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 thing you did, yeah that thing you did uh, where the, the mission was impossible, we're going to need more of that. And he was like, ah, oh, fuck, the mission was impossible, was perfect. Poor How bastard, do I do the hey. mission being impossible too? Oh, they have, what the the way they treat writers, they, oh, oh. shame, we need it by tomorrow, it's going live, we're going tomorrow, we need it to <laughs> rehearse. You guys aren't going to sleep for the next four days. I mean, to, to be fair, that's how those guys earned a living, right? Because they were, they were commissioned to write these plays sometimes for, you know, uh, quite famous people, mm. you know, and, uh, and, and getting a commission was a, was a big deal because now you had the money in your pocket Instead of having to hope that the crowds would come, rather than going to Burbage's theatre next door, and, you know, they, they would now. You didn't have to worry. This thing's been paid for. It's been bought and paid for. We're going to do it on this date. Everything's. It's a like bonus, he's got a recording yeah. contract. He's yeah, got a yeah, publishing. He's got exactly, a thing. He's exactly. got a book. It's really book, nice book deal, man. If it's one of his later ones, it was probably for um, King James the First, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because King James the First made Shakespeare's uh, company. His his personal oh, like, company, thing. yeah. They, they started. They were allowed to then officially call themselves the kings. The royal, the royal. They, 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 yeah, well, they, yeah. They were the king's men after that. Oh, okay, I see. So, and that was because they were now writing plays for for King James. And in one of our episodes, we did like 
his project was also the King James Version, and there was a, a fact oh, oh, about the, was the Shakespeare Bible. involved oh, right. as one of the writing acts. Make the psalm work. Make it work. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that James liked, liked Shakespeare. Mm, so, mm. anyway, I'll, 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 yeah, maybe I'll get onto that a little bit later. That's my fact. You nailed it. Winter's Tale was good. <laughs> nice song. All right, well, then, then let's, the play. Let, let, me, let me carry on with, with our train of thought because my hmm. next fact actually leads in quite nicely into that. My fact is that Hamlet was written as a condemnation of and warning to Queen Elizabeth. Oh, goodness me. I like this train of thought. My next fact is, is, is quite similar. You know, when we, well, similar theme and, of, of context and, and hidden messages. But what could Hamlet possibly have to do with Queen Elizabeth I? I don't think, sorry, the, the Russians are coming. No, I'm joking. Um, I don't, it doesn't, off the bat, doesn't seem to make sense at all. Um, Hamlet is about not acting when he should have acted. Maybe that's the lesson, um, that the tragedy is he was supposed to do something and he didn't, or there was a clear problem and he never um spoke up or said anything so maybe that's the message that that shakespeare's writing to queen elizabeth the first but would he dare do that well you know what what is lovely about what you're suggesting is hamlet's got a play within a play which sends a message to um his uh, uncle and so you're a sneaky one. <laughs> isn't this sending a message to so so if if the audacious Hamlet would do a play within a play um, and send a message to the king. Could the audacious Shakespeare do a, like a double on triple entendre of doing the same sort of thing to the queen? It would be very cheeky. Would he dare? Uh, and what was the issue that he was trying to press upon? Fuck. Just for sheer, I'm love to know the answer, but for sheer intrigue, I'll say you're telling the truth here. You know, you are absolutely so on the right track. Um, okay. So it's it is true. Ooh. It is true. So now Shakespeare wrote the play between 1601 and 1603. Okay. Right. It was very first performed in 1602, however. Okay. And it was written at a time of of like political turmoil in England because yeah. Queen Elizabeth was old, she was dying, and she had no heirs. Yes. And this is this yes. is this is a critical aspect, right? Yes. And then, so so because she was dying with no heirs, there were rumours that that when she died, King James of Scotland would yes. invade. Ah. Uh... Furthermore, there were nobles in her own court that were trying to vie for power and were trying to actually seize power. So now, what what Hamlet does is it is it mirrors this exact kind of situation, because it takes takes an old royal couple who are entrenched in position mm -hmm. and who who are a bit kind of stayed and it says that that now they too have got a threat from outside remember the norwegian king fortinbras yes is going to be coming to invade the kingdom and take control of the kingdom and and this old couple are sort of trapped in in indecisiveness mm -hmm. um you know, uh, the Queen Gertrude in it is like Elizabeth is too old to bear children. It's a Denmark is no longer healthy. There's something rotten in the state of Denmark. <laughs> in in Elizabeth's era, Elizabeth wasn't just the queen. She was England. She was yes. she was such a powerful 
symbol of England mm. and for her to now be dying without without an heir was was desperately, desperately scary. Um, in 1601, the Earl of Essex, who was a favorite of Elizabeth's, uh, attempted a rebellion and Elizabeth was forced to execute him. Jeez, like. So this is this is echoed in Hamlet by the young courtier Laertes who leads a rebellion against them. So it's very similar. He's, he mm -hmm. sort of puts a position, as you say, much like the play within a play, Jeez. he puts this play in front of in front of the queen. Now, what's interesting about it is, as I said, it's performed in 1602 mm -hmm. when when Elizabeth is on the throne, and this is this warning. Yeah, that you know, make a decision. Tell us who your who your heir is, who's yes. going to succeed, succeed to the throne, which interestingly hadn't been a problem before. It was created as a problem by King Henry VIII, who was basically the first king to say, this is who is going to follow me These onto are the, the succession throne. Yeah, this is, this is, my son is going to follow me, mm -hmm. my, you know, and ah. then to, to influence the succession. So, so Shakespeare was basically effectively saying to Elizabeth, listen, you've been so powerful, <laughs> so good, so incredible, but look at the tension in, in your own kingdom and make a decision. Anyway, Jeez. she dies yes. in 1602. And then, uh, Shakespeare makes some minor amendments to Hamlet <laughs> because what happens is King James the first comes to the throne and James immediately appoints Shakespeare's acting company, the Lord Chamberlain's men, as as his uh, his guys, as his official oh, players. This is fascinating. Yeah, which means then that Shakespeare tweaks the ending of Hamlet, <laughs> which, as you will remember, uh, allows the Norwegian King Fortinbras to come in and take power very successfully <laughs> when Claudius and Hamlet are dead mm. and he takes power very successfully and everybody's very happy. Ooh, there Sorry, we go. Darling. Sorry. <laughs> the Mona Lisa disagrees. <laughs> she's always she's always been a bit because like, you said the M word. Oh, you see. <laughs> see, that's what it is. Anyway, but that so that's what uh, that, that, that that's what the whole play is. So the ending is kind of a it's all right in the end. It's fine, Fortinbras invaded. Everything's fine. Brilliant. And uh And there's and, evidence that 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 change was made at the end. So we, we don't know okay. because of this lack of published material. Mm. But it just, it, it speaks too sweetly. you've cleverly sweet planted yeah, it, it's, earlier it's, in this episode. But it, but it, but it, does, it speak does too sweetly to that, to that particular storyline. And it is what researchers kind of believe at this point, is they believe that, that in fact this, this play first was a message to Elizabeth and then was kind of a celebration of the stability that King James brought to the to the kingdom after he he took the throne. Hey, thanks for showing up and being a good dude. Give me money. <laughs> like, wow. Quite nice, yeah? Quite nice. You won't believe this. My next fact is exactly the same theme by between exactly the same two people. Oh, really? And I was thinking hard about how to state this fact. But uh, I think I must state it in the simplest possible way. Do you know the the Scottish play? Do you know it? <laughs> you mean Macbeth? Stone. Go on, Mona Lisa. <laughs> Jump off the table. <laughs> Lock your ears, lovey. All right. Um, well, have you muffin. seen that Blackadder episode? Oh, hot potato, hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> two actors. Once when anybody says Macbeth, the two actors have to do this outrageous series <laughs> <laughs> kind of events to undo the bad luck. Very funny. Um, so here's my fact. Straight off. James I uh, of um, England, James VI of Scotland, uh -huh. that guy was related to Banquo. 
That is my fact. Uh, it is Banquo is a character in the Scottish play. Yeah, it is possible because Macbeth was a, and I'm speaking about him not as a play, but rather as a was a, was real, a real Scottish person. king. Yeah, he was a real Scottish king in the ten hundreds, I think, if I've got my dates correct, because he was one of the the last kind of kings before the English first moved in uh, and took over the country, and and the story is is pretty accurate. Um, I mean, obviously not about the, you know, the Forest of Dunsinane. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Burnham Wood just come to Dunsinane. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Obviously, that stuff is, is, is nonsense and for theatrical. But um, the fact that Banquo and and Duncan and and Macbeth they were they were real characters from history, and there was certainly a, a vying for power at that stage. So, so the fact that Banquo existed, true enough. I. Would a Scottish king descend from Banquo? Sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, fine. It is absolutely true. Well done. Well worked out. Yes. Um, interesting about the telling of the, of the play um, Macbeth, because Banquo was considered at the time to be a direct ancestor of James, as I said. In the play, the witches predict a line of eight kings descending from Banquo. I think when they first all hail to thee, hail to me, Macbeth, hail Banquo, thou shalt get, thou shalt, thou shalt get kings, though thou be none. All hail Macbeth and Banquo. So, so that's that's but, interesting because so Robert Bruce, obviously, mm -hmm. very famously, he had a son who I don't think had a son. I think uh, I think Robert Bruce's line died out, and somebody oh. had to come in and take over from him at that stage. Okay. By um, which they, and then shortly thereafter, they they fell back under English control, but. Okay, so in the play when it says a uh, line of eight kings, oh, I think that's in the as, there's a there's a montage when he visits. It's the double double boil and travel fire burn and so he goes back to the witches mm, to see mm. what they have to say, and then they see eight because yeah, he's like actually kings hang on. emerging. I need, from... I need I need I need some advice. Yes, it isn't my crazy wife who wants me to stab everyone. <laughs> and <laughs> we go see those three hags on the moor. Yeah. <laughs> this dude, this dude is attracted to toxic women, is what he is. He's, <laughs> shame. He's, he's like, listen, you're you're acting a little weird, a little oh, stabby. Shame. You're acting a little stabby, Lady Macbeth. I'm gonna go and try and get some sane advice. Who can I get some from? My generals, my friends. What about those three <laughs> homeless hags on the moor? Let me go back to the three homeless hags and get some fucking advice. He doesn't make the best life choices all does he? I saw it was the tragedy. I mean, do do you agree with that synopsis that uh the tragedy of Hamlet is that he he uh didn't act when he should have acted, and the tragedy of Macbeth is that he acted when he shouldn't have acted. There's a there's a, a joke that says that uh Ophelia would be alive at the end of Hamlet if Hamlet could have just learned to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh shame. Just oh, actually could have shame. done something, yeah. Talk. So um yes, uh James was believed to have been born eight generations after Banquo, which is why that scene was put in. Uh this explains why Shakespeare went out of his mm. way to put Banquo in a good light. Also awkward in Shakespeare's source material, the true archive of events, Banquo had helped Macbeth with the murder of Duncan, but he's painted as a saint. Right. And uh, the other wonderful theme, which I kind of couldn't let go of in Matric, I just, I was always puzzled why blood was a theme when it's mentioned three times mm. and clothing was a theme when it's mentioned three times, but birds, birds in Macbeth, it's, it's mentioned about 20 times. 
and birds are like um, there's the royal kind of birds and there's the, the birds of death, like a raven, but then the owl is a bit scary. But what happens is um, some little birds start killing some big birds during the night of Duncan's murder. And it's like, oh, nature, the whole world is topsy-turvy because something bad has happened and the whole natural order of things. In in other words, he's reinforcing that thing called the divine right of kings, that when the king emerges and is placed by God to rule mankind, nature itself is pleased and the owl shall hunt the wren, not the other way around and all that stuff. And so he was really buttering up James uh, with the Banquo thing and with the whole theme of birds and ah, look how glorious it is and you know what's so nice about all of this is that it kind of comes full circle. So you know Tolkien was obviously inspired heavily by Macbeth. Sure. Oh, so, okay. So so Tolkien Tolkien looked at Macbeth and he was like, there's two problems with Macbeth, right? The one is the prediction that the forest will come to Dunsinane, yeah. right? The burning wood will come to Dunsinane. And the other is that he was slain of no woman born. Yeah. So in both, he provides better answers in, in The Lord of the Rings because he has literal ents, the tree people, <sighs> Come to the castle of Saruman oh, and destroy it. Shit, wow. Right. And then Eowyn, who is a woman, slays the king of the Nazgul, who cannot be slain by man. Uh, a man of woman born. He's, he's a so fantastic. So that, yeah, he answers both of them in better ways <laughs> than Macbeth does, which is great. Really yeah. Well, I love that. Well, yeah. Well, spotted. That is my fact. It was true. Uh, he was buttering up James. Yeah. I mean, yeah. clearly he... <laughs> listen. I know I would. <laughs> I think we've already established this episode that if anybody hauls me before them and says, you write this thing for a ridiculous amount of money or you betray your beliefs or you do whatever you like. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Let me immediately get upon that, sir. <laughs> Let me... What? You want me to, to glorify your ancestry? Absolutely, sir. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> it's called survival yeah. of the fittest. I don't know survival of the of the schmaltziest. Perhaps, yes. <laughs> I've got I've got some interesting facts about Shakespeare that I just want to throw in before we get to uh, to quick multiple facts. Choice. Nice, yeah, yeah. Uh, to to multiple choice for mainly for our editor, so that yeah. he can he can edit us together some shorts <laughs> for the internet because that's how these things work. Hey. Now, look at the glimpse I've given you to the sordid inside world of YouTube. Anyway, um, the first of these is that. You know that Shakespeare wrote exclusively plays until the plague hit London, and he was not allowed to leave his house. He was trapped in his house, oh, so he turned to writing sonnets and and poems, um, and that's how he kind of got into got into poetry. So they had a bit of a lockdown as well, right? Eh? They had the exact the exact same thing. Me, when I got locked down, <laughs> I did I did yoga and I watched all the Marvel movies. Oh, I did yoga. not write like no, but I didn't. That's very I didn't. Good. I didn't. I didn't write. You know, time-spanning poetry. Like I think about the way I wasted my lockdown. <laughs> I could have done something beautiful with it. Anyway, fucking Shakespeare did. That's the difference between Shakespeare and me. The only one, other than the fact that I'm not a ginger. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So, so what, there, there is a lost play of Shakespeare. I don't oh, know if you know this, right? It's no. a play called Cardenio. There's evidence that uh, that he wrote it. It was performed quite regularly. But no known copy of the play. Oh, that is terribly sad. I mean, to be honest, listen to the name Cardenio. Sounds a little bit like one of the worst plays, you know. It takes place in Italy. Yeah, I was about to say, ah, 
is a stabby stab. You go, why did she cheat on me? It was that. Walking down the streets of Venice. Hey, ciao. I don't know why Cardenio in my mind speaks like Mari. It's me, Cardenio. Was an Italian plumber. Yeah. And Mario. It's a stabby stabby. I don't know why that happens. In a previous episode, the one on uh, rivers, mm-hmm. I spoke about uh, Saturn's moon, Titan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, the moons around the planet of Uranus. Yeah. And I said, Uranus <laughs> <laughs> are mostly named after characters from Shakespeare. Really? Uh, yeah. They include Oberon, oh. Ariel, Juliet. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. That's yeah, so nice. I mean, like, let's be honest. You're in a pretty shit place. Even yeah. if we could go there, I wouldn't buy a ticket. Uh-uh. Go watch a fucking planet lie sideways. I'm it's not when they were still naming them pretty names. Now it's like fucking E1576 star. So E5. They, they There's always, two minutes. To they it. always gave them that name. They're always like that thing over there. And then someone was like, yeah, but what if, you know, what if romantically we named it something, something else, you know, something, something nice. Um, and my last, my last fun fact about Shakespeare is um, the name Jessica is only 418 years old um, because the first time it was ever used as the way it was currently spelled is in William Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice. Oh, wow. Uh, Jessica's the name of Shylock's daughter. It's an anglicization of the Hebrew name Jessica. That is a beautiful fact. So they, uh, Jessica, Jessica was actually the most popular name of the 1980s for girls, and we know why that is. Murder, she wrote, right? Oh, <laughs> it's gotta be. Like, why wouldn't you watch Angela Lansbury on, on Murder, She Wrote and go, "I want to name my daughter after this"? Yeah, and now there's a there's a treffer from the two thousands African stripper called Jessica. Yeah, English name, but it's a it's a socky. Oh yeah, well, it's a treffer. I don't know it. It might go Jessie Do they call baby. Jessica. Jessica. No, they go Jessica. Maybe it's about an African soccer falls in love with an English chick. Oh, Jesse, you're so fine. You're so... <laughs> <laughs> it's a warning against African sex. Anyway. Don't fall in love with English chicks. Alas, <laughs> 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 loss. <laughs> All right, good. Multiple oh, choice. Time. Well, in lockdown, you watched Marvel. I watched on some dodgy Russian websites. God bless them. A lot of um, old uh, Shakespeare movies. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. And the one uh, that watched Mojo said I must must watch. It was in the top ten. Was Titus Andronicus? Oh, what a you. play! And they had um, the dude, uh, Silence of the Lambs. He was Titus. What is his Anthony name? Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. You know that they they did yes, that play at the fuck. Globe Theatre with, yes, with, like. with the with the Shakespeare Company, Royal Shakespeare Company, did it at the Globe Theatre now. Like ten years ago, oh my! In London, and and people got yeah. physically ill. They because they did it full on with the with oh, the historical wow. like staging, and the people got like physically ill. They got complaints. They got yes. in numbers because it's so yes. it's graphic. fucked it's, up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <deep> um, <laughs> it, it really is. And uh, um, a, a bit of light research on the matter is that it was a genre that was quite popular. It's kind of uh, revenge violence. And it's a funny thing that because um, 
I was telling Monique Nokia, a fellow comedian of ours, when I was getting into my uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo phase, and I was like, oh, fuck, I love this stuff. She's like, yeah, it's like, you think that's bad? You should see some of this other fucking revenge porn that I watch. But she, porn, not as in porn, it's just kind of the lust for revenge. And it uh, follows a similar type thing like of taken. something terrible happens to a female, and she, uh, it, it's bad, and then she enacts revenge on, essentially, on the oppressors. Essentially, People are made into meat pies in Titus Andronicus. For people who don't fuck. know, yeah, yeah, I mean, plot spoiler. And the, yeah, and the, the that, as uh, I say, the um, it's the stage directions do not shy away from the violence. It's like it's more, it's more, it's less art or musical and more two girls one cup. It's, ah, it's graphic right up in the front. Fun. No, you don't need to see. Way. Nobody needs to see that. Yeah. Nobody needs to see that. It's like. Do you remember back in the day when people used to get each other to watch Rotten.com? I mean, we're, we're dating ourselves, but in the 1990s, there was a website called Rotten.com, and all it was was increasingly graphic and disgusting images as the further you scrolled down. And it started off casually with like, I don't know, roadkill or something. Okay. And then it's it began, I got about eight images down oh. before I was like, oh, no, eight images down is some dude hit by a train, right? And I was just like, it doesn't look real, but I'm not sure I want to go any further than this. <laughs> you know, but then you got the kids in your school. Who is them? Yeah. Some of you are married to them. Yeah. <laughs> these kind of like these damaged folks who used to wear you people. Hey, check that, this, bro. Check, check, check this, bro. I got to page 63 on Rotten.com, but I'm fucking I'm healthy in the brain. <laughs> that no, guy, they've know. got like two girl one probably on their desktop. Oh yeah, yeah. Check no, this okay, book, girl. Fucking yeah. They watched the beheading videos. They were like, "What? Fucking this Check is fucking this, fucking. You know, this is page twelve of Rotten.com, but I got to page sixty-three. You know, like anyway. So that was that was. Titus Andronicus was the Rotten.com of its it era. Was. <laughs> it was. The it was. Of its era. And so my uh, my. F- my multiple choice fact is um, <laughs> I'm, there, there's six options here, okay? So I'm going to ask you, which of these doesn't fucking die in the play? Okay. Which of these people doesn't die in oh, the play? Man, I, I can't remember Titus, Saturnus, Lavinia, Lucius, Tamora, and Aaron. Plot spoiler. Spoiler alert coming up for the answer. But um, Listen, you've had 500 years. <laughs> one a year. You could have read a book right now. Uh, the movie's very good. Uh, it's gross, but it's very good if you know I, I read I mean. it once in second year varsity. That's that's when I read it. That second year varsity was 1998. Yes. So that's when I read it. This is now, oh, I mean, gross. you know, not to date this, 25 years ago. Yes, and, and, and I think the, the, the Hollywood movie came out in the late nineties as so well. I've never seen the Hollywood movie. It is good. Um, even watch Watch Mojo I recommended it, and I watched it. Anthony Hopkins plays Titus. Um, Angela, blah blah blah, plays Tamara. Then the dude who played Henry VIII in in the Tudors, he plays uh, one of Tamara's fucking terrible sons. Uh, so it's a it's a good cast, well acted, um, excellent movie. Just fucking gross, you know. It's Titus Andronicus. Um, I literally don't. I don't remember what happened in it. I just remember the meat pies. That's, that's all I remember. Uh, Titus. Titus lives. Okay, so it was Titus, Saturanus, Saturinus, perhaps Lavinia, Lucius, Tamora, and Aaron. You say the answer is Titus lives. Okay, let's take it. 
Let's take it from the little, here's what happens toward the, the final scene. Uh, the next day during the feast at his house, Titus asks Saturnus if a father should kill his daughter when she has been raped. When Saturnus answers that he should, Titus kills Lavinia, his own daughter, because she was raped. It's a terrible scene. Uh, and tells Saturnus of the rape. When uh, the emperor calls for Chiron and Demetrius, Titus reveals that they were Baked in the pie. Tomorrow had just been eating. She ate her own sons in a pie. Sorry, plot, spoiler alert. This oh, is fucking 500 gross. Years, 500 years you've had. There's got to come a point, you know, like we, we should be allowed to talk about Breaking Bad now without mm. saying the word spoiler. Mm. Definitely Titus and Titus then kills tomorrow and is immediately killed by Saturanus, oh. who is subsequently killed by Lucius to avenge his father's death. Lucius is then proclaimed emperor. He orders that Titus and Lavinia be laid in their tomb that Saturanus be given a state funeral and that Tamara's body be thrown to the wild beasts outside the city <laughs> and that Aaron, he was Tamara's Moor lover who helped rape Lavinia, um, Aaron be hanged. Aaron, however, is unrepentant to the end, regretting only that he did not do more evil in his life. Lucius decides- Now that's racist, right? That, the, by, there the it Moore is. The lover. There it is, we're finally bringing the shit right. Lucius decides Aaron deserves to be buried chest deep as punishment and left to die of thirst and starvation, and Aaron is taken away to be punished thus. So Lucius is the only one who doesn't die. He's Brilliant. Made emperor I mean, you really could have narrowed that down to four for me, like like oh, our rules state. It's just a fucking shit. It's a shit show at the end, <laughs> ladies. In Cape Townian parlance, it's a fucking shit show at the end. It's just fucked at the end. I don't know, man. Uh, I, uh, like you, honestly, you just said a bunch of names and a bunch of stuff. I don't think okay. anybody knows that. Like honestly, nobody knows that play because it is so graphic. Oh, it's gross, but it was good. Was it good? Did you yeah. enjoy the movie? Look, my mother is will <laughs> did never. Did you watch it with your mom? No. Okay, thank goodness. No, Warren. I did not watch Titus <laughs> Andronicus with my mother. <laughs> no, but she, she, look, my mother's, She's my mother's like, my mother, go for right? A, oh, right. I could go for a meat pie. <laughs> oh, mother. <laughs> no, she. Because that's how his mom talks. Oh, look at that. Monty Python characters. Those lovely filth down here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She. <laughs> Oh, right! <laughs> Are you going to make me a pie? <laughs> Look, he's, uh, he's, he's not the... What do you want? We want your son, madam. Uh, Why? He's the messiah. He's not the messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> now, fuck off! <laughs> the thing about that scene is I heard recently that, you know, there's the whole, you're all individuals, and they go, we're all individuals. And the one dude goes, I'm not. Apparently that was improvised. Oh, that's fucking Yeah, and funny. John Cleese used to get angry about improvisation, but he, he laughed so hard at that. Mm. He was like, yeah, we can keep that. It's, oh, it's, <laughs> like it's really funny. good. <laughs> it's so funny that, yeah, I, I yeah. guess so. You want to, movie making is, is almost yeah, don't fuck about, yeah. unless it's a fuck about scene. Um, no, my mom was so like scared of Silence of the Lambs that she can't watch Anthony Hopkins in anything else ever again, which is a pity. Because she watches TikToks, he's weird. Remains of the Day is such a beautiful movie, but she can't watch it because of oh, fucking books, Silence books of the Lambs. Just, just read the book. I've got it. It's next to my bed. So gonna good. gonna so start good. it. So soon. good. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. So oh no, we ended 
Shakespeare no, on Titus Andronicus. Because that's what my multiple <gasps> choice. Have you? Yeah, you just jumped your multiple choice straight ahead of mine. Did I like, really? Yeah, you did. That that inch of beer you've had clearly went straight oh, to your head. <laughs> anyway, IPA. good. Let me do my multiple choice then. Okay, so by now everybody knows Lion, the Lion King is based on Hamlet. Okay, sure, right? sure, sure. Yes, of course, yes. Uh, all of these movies that I'm about to mention are based on Shakespeare plays of one kind or another, except one of them. Oh! Which is the odd one out. One, Forbidden Planet. Two, Ten Things I Hate About You. Three, West Side Story. Or four, There Will Be Blood. That's a fascinating question. Some of the movies I don't really know, but West Side Story, I can... Oh, it's definitely Romeo and Juliet. Definitely. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You. I don't know enough about that bloody movie. Uh, there Will Be Blood. Ooh. It's a tragic movie. It's one dude who probably... It's probably Macbeth. There Will Be Blood. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You. Okay, the other ones? Oh, uh... The first one, which is Forbidden Planet. I don't know that movie. So Forbidden so, Planet. Did you give a, me four options? Yeah. Forbidden Planet, Ten Things I Hate About You, West Side Story, and There Will Be Blood. Forbidden Planet is the classic kind of sci-fi movie. Uh, it's a bit of a B-grade, schlocky one. It's actually mentioned in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, Forbidden Planet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, this is terribly exciting because what I'm going to say is... is um, as I said, the one that is based on There Will Be Blood is Macbeth. And then West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet. I'm going to say Forbidden Planet is The Tempest. And I'm going to say 10 Things I Hate About You is the one that's not based on a Shakespearean play. Whew, you, you're good. <laughs> you're good but wrong. Oh, I mean, no. but you are. You are good. <laughs> oh. Forbidden Planet is The Tempest. Yay! Like, for you to know that. Like, so, so what it is is... Uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, so but I haven't Doctor, seen it. Doctor Morbius lives on this planet with his daughter, okay. and the rocket ship arrives, ah. bringing kind of strange characters. So the, the Forbidden Planet is based on ah. the Tempest. Uh, West Side Story is indeed True, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet yeah. From Ten Things I Hate About You, classic mm -hmm. uh, kind of rom com mm -hmm. of the early two thousands, mm -hmm. uh, starring Heath Ledger. Okay, uh, and Julia Stiles is based on the Taming of the Shrew. So the oh, Taming of the Shrew is obviously I it's know about it. I the love other two sisters, the and the one is an absolute shrew, and the the parents say, "Oh well, the good daughter can't get married unless the shrew finds someone <laughs> that she can get married to." And of course, Julia Stiles plays the fucking rotten bitch who's not interested I don't in. I think feminists in any kind like the Taming of the Shrew. Hey? No, they fucking hate it. But <laughs> but what was nice about. Um, of our 10 things I hate about you is they made it kind of funny and, and said it in a high school. So, you know, that's all right. It's actually There Will, will Be Blood, blood wasn't, which I chose like as a purposeful oh, movie that echoed with clever me. boy. Which echoed Clever, me. clever yeah. young man. Yeah, and you actually, like, I'm when you were going it. through it going, this is this and this is this, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you naughty. Anyway, good. Because um, I had, tragically, yeah. I haven't seen it, uh, but my ex-brother-in-law uh, uh, we bonded on arty kind of things and he was like you got to see this final scene it's really well acted and then I saw and it was obviously a horrible tragic kind of scene of a tragic character who'd acquired a lot of wealth and was just over it all 
And I thought, oh, I make Betty, yeah, fucking tragic. Yeah, yeah, I nearly went with Scarface. Scarface has got a little bit oh, of yes, that kind does, of like, yeah. you know. Uh, it's a bit of a tragic because was, you could have gone with any sort of tragic rise and fall movie hmm. uh, where they just became the kings, literally, of their little world. And then fucking yeah. meant but nothing. But at no point in any Shakespeare movie did anybody go, I drank your milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining us thank you it's been fun man I like, like subscribe share tell people about us please yes. at the moment we're we're dying in that weird corner of the internet sharing is fun share share yeah, like share. you click i do it all the time with people other love people. it when you share a thing that you secretly like you share and you said these acts are great and with an, an emoji that points down at us unless the comment section is yeah under the point just down. not the not the eggplant emoji. Actually, I love you can that use one. The eggplant do it, emoji. do it. I love use that Use the eggplant one. emoji. That'll become our make a lovely eggplant pasta. I think we should have a a whole episode on just vegetable pastas. Off. Thanks for Bye. watching. You guys are great. Love you. Bye. <laughs>